Hello, everyone. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Fatima Robertson. Periodontist Dr. Fatima Robertson of Allen, Texas, is a well-known and board-certified doctor with a variety of personality traits. She specializes in performing surgeries to fix issues with the gums, teeth, and supporting bones. She also runs a business as a speaker, a comedian, a mother, a wife, and a self-professed fashionista. Her life's mission is to encourage individuals to follow their greatest aspirations, live fully, and inspire others to work toward their dreams. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing dental care and specifically dental care during and after pregnancy. Are we more prone to cavities and gum disease while pregnant? What can we do to prevent that? What is the best dental hygiene routine? Fluoride versus hydroxyapatite and discussing so much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode. This podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, everybody. I have Dr. Fatima Robertson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lindsay. Great to be here. All right. So I want to start off with you. If you can just kind of talk about just the basic stuff. So somebody comes in and they get some x-rays or we're looking at their teeth and they have a cavity or they might require a crown or a root canal. I I myself was just telling you, I didn't really need anything serious except for a filling here and there until I was maybe in my mid thirties after having a lot of children, (laughs) realizing (laughs) how many problems I have. And I can't wait to get into that with you, but let's just start off with, you know, what actually happens when you get a filling done or when you need a crown done or when you need a root canal done? And why do some of these procedures sometimes take one or two visits as opposed to just one? And yeah, if you can just kind of give us that base to work off of, that would be awesome. So basically when we're kids, right, we got this high sugar diet. We got all these things that are hanging out on our teeth. We're eating these crackers and all these carbohydrates and all this stuff that's sticking to our teeth and staining our teeth and stuff like that. And so when we are younger, we typically have like a higher uh, preponderance of like getting cavities because all these things are like hanging around and we may not be the best brushers and mom and dad may not, you know, remember to tell us to brush our teeth and get all that stuff off there. So basically when we're younger is when we get all these cavities. Now, of course you go in and you have them filled, right? You get them filled sometime when you're prepubescent. So basically when you're like 10, 12 years old and you have those things until you're about 20, 25, 30, But basically what happens with those fillings is they begin to age, right? So as they age, what happens is the filling kind of pulls away from the edge of the tooth and there's this space that's created between the filling and the tooth. So that's the super highway for bacteria to get inside there. So as you age, really what you get is you get about a 12 to 15 year, you know, kind of grace period with those fillings. And so they wear down and the cavity starts to form underneath the filling because there's that super highway where food gets in between the tooth and the filling. So it kind of gets underneath the filling. It sets there. You don't know anything is going on until you go into the dentist and you have x-rays, right? So then the dentist is like, yo, you have something underneath there. It's a dark spot. Well, it's a cavity. And so that's why as we become like 25, 30 years old and on board, what happens is those feelings start to wear down and then you get that dark spot and then it's huge because you haven't seen it Mm. and then you end up needing a crown. Well, if that decay has been there for a long period of time, it actually wants to be in the nerve of the tooth because bacteria are sneaky. 
they want to be in a warm, dark, moist place. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they actually go to the center of the tooth where it's warm, dark, and moist, where the food supply is, which is where the nerve of your tooth lives. And so if it gets there, then you have a whole other set of problems because now you need a root canal. Right. And if you need a root canal, by the time that you're done with the root canal, there's so much of the tooth taken out because the nerve of the tooth has to be removed. So the tooth becomes kind of hollow, right? So in order to fix that, we've got to have a crown put on top of it so that the tooth doesn't break in the future. So do you always need a crown when you get a root canal or not always? Always need a crown when you get a root canal. Yeah, Yeah. because when the tooth is hollowed out, it's really just the former shell of itself. And if you don't put something full coverage on it, then it starts to turn into a situation where two years down the road, it can break. So to avoid that, we just put a crown on everything that way, root canal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And root canals, is that always a two-visit process or is it sometimes one or what's what's the deal with that? It can depend. If it's a huge infection, a lot of times what will happen is the doctor will do it in two visits. And that's really so that they can put medication in it the first time. So the first time they take the nerve of the tooth out and then they'll put medicine inside the canal of the tooth just to kind of calm it down to keep you from getting an infection again or to keep it from being so swollen or to kind of calm it down to keep the pain level down. And then they'll go back in and they'll finish it. What I mean by finish it is they'll put like this plastic substance inside there. So they'll simply take the nerve out, put the medicine in, let everything heal, probably about a week or two, then have you come back in and they'll take the medicine out and put a plastic substance where the nerve used to be. And that's really just to fill the space up to keep the bacteria from re-entering mm. the nerve of the tooth. Okay. And then some docs do it in one visit. Mm-hmm. And then you follow up and then you get your crown. Absolutely. And then sometimes you only get a temporary crown and you got to go back for the permanent crown. <laughs> you do. It's so many visits. I know. I know. But it's worth it. I know. But oh my gosh. So I... <laughs> I'm, I also, I'm, it's funny that we're doing this podcast recording now because I'm kind of fresh out of like, I just had like, I swear to you, like seven visits in a row of just, so I am, I'm fired up. (laughs) I'm also at my max of dental visits. Like, I'm like, I can't come back to see you ever again. I'm so sorry. Don't be like that. (laughs) So no, I, so it's, I had, what was it? So in the fall, I had done basic x-rays. It wasn't the full. It was just like the half set of x-rays or whatever. So I get those done. They're like, okay, you have a really small cavity, but I was doing Invisalign at the time. So they were like, we're just going to fill that right when you're done with Invisalign because I was going to be done in a month or two. So a couple months goes by. I follow up. I get my cleaning done and they're like, okay, let's make the appointment for that cavity to be filled. But you know what? You're due for a full set of x-rays. Okay, here we go. So I get the full set of x-rays and they're like, oh. What is that? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, don't freak me out like that, right? So they're like, where did that come from? And it turns out it's like my upper left. So I mean, and we can get into the grinding, but grinding is a whole yes. thing. And yes. I've I've now fractured two teeth. <gasps> yeah. So I fractured my first one two years ago. I needed a crown. This other one, she was like, I, this is so strange that this cavity came out of nowhere. And she's like, you know what? It's right next to your other tooth that you fractured. And she's like, I'm, I I think there was, so it didn't show up like on the x-ray or anything, but when she went in there, she was like, there was like a small fracture all the way there uh, down by the base. So she was oh, so much worse than she gosh. thought when she went in. And so at the end she filled the cavity, but she was like, you have to come back 
for a crown. Or if you're still having pain in a few weeks, you need to get a root canal and then get the crown. So this would have been my first root canal. So of course, all you hear, I feel like are nightmare stories about root canals. When <laughs> let's be serious. And you can kind of go into this. I've talked to quite a few people just because of like, m- I maybe needed one, which I didn't, by the way. But I talked to people and they were like, it's not a big deal at all. Like people make it sound like, oh, it's not like getting a root canal. And it's like, why is that a saying? Why is that a saying? It used to be bad. Right. It's not anymore though, right? No. No, 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 no. no. Not anymore. It used to be bad because a lot of times we didn't know or we didn't know what kind of anesthesia to use. So what kind of numbing material to use in certain situations. So now that we have more education on it, now we can use that technology and that education to help people, you know, be more comfortable in our chairs, especially when they're getting root canals. So if you talk to someone that had it 15 years ago, 20 years ago versus having one, let's just say last week, the experience is going to be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's crazy that, I mean, some of these procedures were just without anything. It's crazy. We're really lucky to have all these numbing agents at our, at our bedside because <laughs> my husband actually went in yesterday. He hasn't been to get any dental care in years, years, probably seven, eight, nine, ten, who knows, goes in. He had to have, I think it was six, six cavities filled. And oh so God. they could, they only could numb up one side of his face. And they're like, you have to come back for the other side. And he goes, no, just do it without the medication. I'm like, are you a straight up lunatic? Like who does that? So he had three on the other side done without anything. I'm like, and he's okay this morning. He's, I mean, this is a man who will not tell me he's the opposite of man cold, which is wild. Right. But he does not complain at all ever. So I'm looking at him yesterday. I'm just like staring at him during dinner. And I was like, I know your mouth hurts. Just tell me your mouth hurts. <laughs> never. No, nope. He's like, I feel great. I've never felt better. And I was like, yeah, okay. That's crazy. <laughs> it is nuts. Okay, so let's talk. I think we need to talk about why I feel like this is true. And maybe you can tell us. But during pregnancy and then that postpartum period, I feel like women are just so much more prone to cavities and gum disease. Like I had essentially no issues until I had children. Now, I don't know if that has something to do with what happens during pregnancy when maybe you're not brushing as much or what have you, but I, I, what what is going on there that makes that period of your life so susceptible to so many dental issues? So let's talk about it. So basically, you know, you're, you've got this, all these hormones, you know, happening in your body, right? You know, things are going left, going right. You don't know what's going on, but your body's changing. So what happens is the hormones that are going crazy, that are raging in your body, they definitely affect the way that bacteria affect your teeth or your gum. So what happens is you end up having a lot more bleeding. Your gums are often a lot more swollen. There's even this kind of thing that we call a pregnancy tumor that can sometimes develop in women that have, that are pregnant or even some women that are taking birth control pills, depending on the level of progesterone or estrogen that are, that's found in them. So your body is more susceptible to changes, clinical changes in terms of redness and irritation and swelling and bleeding. So you just tend gums that bleed a lot more. But also in that you're eating to grow a human, right? So when you're eating to grow a human, you're eating a lot more. You're eating not necessarily the three square meals a day, but you're eating intermittently. You're Mm -hmm. eating those meals because you're nauseous. You're just trying to keep something like Right. The carbs are huge. Yeah. 
Exactly. You're trying to keep something in your stomach. You're trying to keep the carbs. You're trying to keep the bread or just anything that'll keep you from being nauseous. So you're ingesting a lot more of that. So think about the fact that you're eating more often. You're eating, you've got these hormones going. So you've got an opportunity for bacteria to kind of go, okay, there's something in there for me to munch on the feed on. So I'm going to come and do that. But when you eat your pH level, your acidic level in your mouth goes up and down, which is why we tell you chew a piece of sugarless gum after you eat to kind of bring that pH back to a neutral zone. You don't want it to be acidic because if it is, decay tends to happen more. But in addition to that, so you you got the hormones, you're more nauseous, you're eating more often, you're eating a high carbohydrate meal just to try and keep everything down. But then you're also throwing up, right? So you put all these stomach acids in your mouth. And what does that do? That increases more acidity, which bacteria love. They flourish in that environment. So yeah, you're going to develop more decay during the times that you're pregnant. But there's an old wives tale that I kind of want to dispel too. Some people say that the calcium that you, that your baby needs will be taken from your teeth. That's not necessarily true, but the baby typically does take the calcium from the foods that you ingest, the calcium enriched or fortified foods that you ingest. But there is a possibility that if you don't get enough calcium, babies will take calcium from your bones, typically your long, long bones, like the bones of your legs or your arms, but they don't necessarily take it from the teeth. But yes, you're absolutely right. We do tend to develop more dental problems when we're pregnant. And that those are the reasons why. So what, what can be done to kind of help prevent some of these things during pregnancy and postpartum? Because I think obviously it is very hard when you're pregnant and you, you might feel sick and, and all of these things. What can we do in that period so that our postpartum period dental checkup isn't like, <laughs> oh, by the way, you have all these problems we need to address? Well, you know what? I always have my ladies that are pregnant. I have them come in once quarterly because honestly, that's one of the great things that we can do. If we keep an eye on you once every three months, we can typically keep problems that are small being really small instead of seeing you on the six month visit or even the yearly visit. We can keep things really small. In addition to that, if we clean your teeth or just kind of take the plaque off of your teeth, polish your teeth once every quarter, what we're doing is we're keeping the bacteria from being able to burrow into underneath the gum line. As you know, or as you may not know, what typically tends to happen, the reason that you develop gum disease even is because the bacteria love, again, to be in a warm, dark, moist place where you can't reach it. And if it gets underneath your gum line so far, then it sits there and it becomes an issue. So if we can see you once every quarter to kind of remove all of that, we can keep that process from happening. Once your hormones settle back down in the postpartum period, we can put you back on a once every six month regimen. But in order to kind of keep you healthy, once every three months is really the, the way that we're going to need to see you. In addition to that, I tell all of my pregnant women, women chew a piece of sugarless gum after you eat anything. It doesn't matter how many times you eat. Because here's the thing. If you have a piece of chocolate cake, I would prefer you have it all at one time versus munching on it all day. Because as you do that all day, you tend to take your pH level to an acidic level, which is great for bacteria because they love that. But you do that, you bounce up and down all day. But with a pregnant woman, you can't really... You can't really address that because they're hungry. I, I remember how I was. I was hungry. So what we do is I just tell them, chew a piece of sugarless gum, get that pH level back in balance, come see me once a quarter, and try and drink lots of water to try and make sure that you take all those food particles out of your mouth and into your digestive tract. 
This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is a great place to get some of our grocery and household essentials. The convenience of getting it all shipped to our doorstep is a huge time saver for me, and I really enjoy some of the brands they carry, like Kodiak, Go Macro, and their own Thrive Market brand. Now that school is out for the summer, I stocked up on the kids' favorite snacks and our Kodiak muffin mix that we all love. For snacks, we scooped up beef sticks, good pop freezer pops, and Go Macro bars. I personally love the peanut butter chocolate chip, and the kids have been loving the oatmeal chocolate chip. As a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single order. On average, you save over 30% each time. I saved $28 on my last order. On top of the massive savings on each order, Thrive Market has a deals page that changes daily, gives you cash back on so many brands, and they have a price match guarantee. They also have over 70 filters on their website and app. You can filter between gluten-free snacks or non-toxic cleaning essentials with the click of a button. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need for their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash Lindsay, that's L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Lindsay, thrivemarket.com slash Lindsay. Now, brushing and flossing, what Uh are your recommendations twice a day? Is that Standard? Absolutely. Absolutely. But really, even me as a periodontist, a gum specialist, I'll be honest with you, I floss once a day. And it's basically at night when I'm watching the news. But it's because I kind of created that habit. Anything you do for 21 days is going to become a habit, right? So I just decided that, listen, I always watch the news at night. So at 10 o'clock is when I floss. And it now takes me two minutes to do what I need to do. Whereas it used to take me, you know, four or five minutes. But now I've got it down to a science. But absolutely brush twice a day. The most important time to brush, though, is really at night. And it's at night because you got to get all that stuff out of your mouth. Because when you're asleep, everything's closed in. That bacteria have a great environment in which to grow and multiply. So that's the most important time to brush. Now, if you want to be social, you got to brush in the morning, too. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to be social. Gosh, it's so true, right? My kids, they just are like the worst. They'll always brush their teeth at night. Like I don't even have to tell them, but like the morning, I'm like, guys, guys, you're going to school, talking to your friends. All right. We brush our teeth. And as they get older, it's like worse. Like, I don't know. Like the breath of my two-year-old is like fresh and sunshine in the morning. And then my nine-year-old, I'm like, come on, you got to brush your teeth. Are power toothbrushes and flossers? I mean, this wasn't a thing. I, I never used a power to anything when I was growing up. It just yeah. they didn't exist, right? Right. And then, right. of course, they come out with these, you know, elaborate powered up toothbrushes and the water flosser. Which I will say, that water flosser is kind of my best friend because I really hated flossing with regular floss. I just, I don't know. It just gave me the like heebie-jeebies. But the water flosser, I actually mix it with a special solution that they gave me to help prevent cavities, right? And so anyway, I love it. It's like a godsend. But what are your thoughts? Are they really that much better than using a regular toothbrush and and regular floss? So I would say yes. I use a power toothbrush. I don't even like anybody in my family to use a regular toothbrush. I really like everybody to have a power toothbrush. But here's why. 
we're human, right? So there are spots in our mouth that we miss. Even as a periodontist, a gum specialist, there are spots in my mouth that I miss. I, I get in my hygienist chair and she's like, oh, you've been missing this spot. So even me as the specialist, I'm missing stuff. So a powered toothbrush to me is it just takes all the work out of your hands. It does all the work for you. All you have to do is guide it you know, in your mouth. And so to me, it's the best thing, you know, since sliced bread. Now, water flossers, same thing. If I can get somebody to just even start water flossing, of course. Now, I would prefer stringed floss, to be quite honest, because it just catches more. It has more surface area to kind of capture all of the food particles that are between the teeth. But if I can just get you to use a water flosser, at least you know that the habit is important, right? So psychologically, it just helps that if you water floss, maybe in about six months or so, I can get you to maybe every once in a while, at least once or twice a week to use string floss in addition to your water flosser. But I just like for people to form great habits. And so I don't really mind that, but I don't necessarily like manual toothbrushes. I really like power toothbrushes. Now you're right. When we were younger, we didn't have those things, but you know better, you do better. So Mm -hmm. it's just kind of one of those things. Mm -hmm. And I, and I did want to circle back because I wanted to mention this when you brought it up, but the quarterly appointment. So I didn't realize that was a thing until I had had, I think it was after my second child is kind of when my dental everything kind of went to shit. She was like, girl, you got, I got to see you every three months. This is like getting out of control. So I ever since then have been every three months. So this has been years now. And I'm just more prone to my my father is very prone to like gum disease and stuff like that. So I, I, she's just like, you have to come in every three months and we have to get this plaque out so that you're less at risk for having all these issues. But just to know that people listening, like if you are pregnant or planning on becoming pregnant for the first time or for a second, third time, try and see if you can get in for cleanings quarterly, because I do think that would help immensely because you're preventatively <laughs> being proactive. You're being proactive, right? Because I, I feel like I waited until it was too late. And then it was like, I had to play catch up for years. And then I would have another baby. And then I was just that much farther behind. But if you kind of plan ahead like that, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to get ahead of this because I know this is going to happen when I'm pregnant. But if I'm able to follow up every three months, get that off there and do the things that you had mentioned, you're being proactive and it's just going to be that much better going forward. But I feel like I've been just going, I went backwards and I'm still catching up. Like that's kind of where I'm at. So I love that you mentioned that because I feel like a lot of people don't realize that they can go every three months. So my husband was like, you don't only have to go like once a year. And I was like, no, I go all the time. I feel like I'm there all the time. <laughs> yeah. Lindsay, pregnant women are six times more likely. Some some studies would argue that they're up to eight times more likely to have preterm low birth weight babies. And that's because of the bacteria that's found in the mouth when they are pregnant and how uncontrolled that um, deposit sometimes is. Now, you said that your father has problems. So we know that a certain part of the disease is genetic, right? So thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. Or what you gave me, basically. But some people just have more plaque buildup. Some people have more calcium that precipitates out of their saliva and turns into tartar. And so some people are just more predisposed to that. But we know that a part of that is inflammation and inflammation anywhere in the body. You know, people are always talking about gut health. They're always talking about heart health. Well, we're always talking about dental health. And a large part of that is getting rid of the inflammation that's in the body. Because inflammation is the thing that makes women become 
predisposed to preterm low birth weight babies. What they believe is that the inflammation that the bacteria produce actually target the fetus or target the baby. So it makes your body, stimulate your body to go into preterm labor. So that's why it's important once a quarter to get your teeth cleaned. So you're absolutely right. You got to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you just answered one of my questions. Look at you. <laughs> is there a link between periodontitis and adverse pregnancy outcomes? Look at you. Yeah. Look at you. Just ahead of yourself. I just think it's wild, though, like that your dental health can lead to these an adverse pregnancy outcome, right? Like no one tells you that. I never knew about that. <laughs> it's just so, so important. I want to talk to you about fluoride. Can we talk about fluoride? Because I have had – you go on the internet – and you have some people that are like, oh my God, don't use fluoride. And they'll be like, okay, use this hydroxyapatite toothpaste. Use fluoride free. And when I hear fluoride free, it, it actually yeah. makes the hair on my arm stand up. I'm like, oh, why? Like, why? And I just wonder to myself, oh my gosh, like I really, really, really wonder what people that are using fluoride free toothpaste, like when they go in, what their teeth look like. Because there is no possible way, right? That they, they just can't have like, healthy teeth, right? I mean, so tell me about fluoride. Tell us how important it is. Should we be using toothpaste with fluoride? What's up with the hydroxyapatite toothpaste? Is it as good? Is it kind of as good? What are the deets on this? So basically with fluoride, fluoride is a mineral, right? And fluoride is what we use to protect our teeth from decay. It's it's antibacterial. So it not only is antibacterial, so it not only kills the bacteria, but it actually establishes, you know, a certain level of hardness with the enamel. So that if the acid, like we were just talking about, if the acid does attack the tooth, the acid from the bacteria does attack the tooth. The fluoride is kind of like the shield, right? So it kills bacteria and it, and it forms a shield. Well, the hydroxyapatite actually is not antibacterial. What it does is it prevents the acid or the bacteria from attaching to the tooth. But the thing about that I want to say is that that whole controversy, that, that conspiracy is, is based in fear. Because here's what it initially said. They said, you know, listen, the fluoride we found, there's brain damage that happens with it. There's, you know, babies that are being born without ears or fingers or toes because of fluoride. Well, that's not true. Because just like anything else that you take in moderation, that you use in moderation, is completely fine, right? So with fluoride, we know, and I'm not a mathematician, but I'm going to say this. But basically, I remember from dental school. So in order to have fluoride toxicity, you'd have to ingest uh, two liters per kilogram of body weight. So let's just say, and, and, and I'm not a mathematician, but this is just the example that I remember from dental school. So if you're a 150 pound adult, basically, you would have to ingest 120 gallons of fluoridated water at one time. Well, what's going to kill you first? The water toxicity. You gotta float away. <laughs> I mean, really? So anything that you use in moderation is not going to harm you. So I would recommend that you use a toothpaste with fluoride because everything else that people have on the internet these days is really just based in fear. It's just a, it's just a fear tactic. It's just based in a fear in a fearful or scarcity mindset. So. We have to be able to see what the truth actually is. It's not going to kill you to use fluoride. If you feel that you want to use hydroxyapatite, that's completely fine. Just use something. But I will say that if you were to take a patient that uses a fluoridated toothpaste, 
versus someone that uses a toothpaste with hydroxyapatite and you were to study them for a period, let's just say of five years and watch them, you're going to see the decline in the patient that uses the hydroxyapatite versus the patient that uses the fluoridated toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you gave that analogy because you take any type of medication that we, so in the emergency department, these medications that we use to treat people, if somebody's having a lethal heart rhythm and we give them a medication in a small dose, if we were to give them that in a large dose, it would kill them. But in a small dose, it saves their life. Like it's just, you have to put any, everything into context. And yeah, the internet is a very scary place. And I feel like so many things are driven by fear, right? So yes. many things. And this is just another one of those things where you feel like you need to buy this like specialty toothpaste where it has this cute little print on it. There's brands are so good at branding these days, right? They have this like really rad, like, font on the toothpaste thing. And you're like, oh, that's such a cute toothpaste. Like, I really want to put that on my bathroom sink because it looks cute. And it's hydroxyapatite and it's the new and upcoming, oh, this is so much better than fluoride. And you're not going to be like putting in toxic chemicals in your body. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, you don't need that stuff. But anyway, yeah, it's just, I don't like people to buy things that they do not need right? You just need a basic old toothpaste that's got some fluoride in it. So the last time I went, she actually, my dentist put me on the prescription fluoride toothpaste. So that is what I am now using, which I was surprised. I mean, it tastes just like regular old toothpaste. I was scared it was going to have like a medicine taste to it. I don't know. I just had these thoughts the first time I put it on my toothbrush. I was like, is this going to be gross? But no, it's it's the same. (laughs) It's the same. Okay. So let's talk about Scaling and root planing because I went in a few years ago and they were like, oh, we got to bring you back. You have to do root planing. And I was like, I'm sorry, what are you talking? What is that? And I had no idea what it was, right? And they're like, oh, we have to numb up half your mouth. We'll do one side. Then we'll have you come back for another visit, do the other side. And I mean, when I had fear, like I was like a deer in headlights, like I can't believe I have to have this done. That sounds terrible. By the way, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It was totally fine. But it's like, can you explain what it is and why sometimes that is required? So what happens is the 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 plaque, okay, you know, that, that sticky colorless stuff, that kind of hangs out around the gum line. And so when that tends to harden, it gets underneath the gum line. Remember me saying that bacteria love to be in a warm, dark, moist environment. So what they do is they're sneaky, they're tricky. They actually will get underneath the gum line and start to move toward the bone. So when that happens, your gum line is just basically, for lack of a better term, it's just kind of unzipped, right? So your measurements, when they're normal, you know, we take what's called this periodontal probe. It's just this measuring tool that we would use. And we go around your gums and the numbers that are normal are ones, twos, and threes. Well, when the bacteria gets so far, when they progress so far to the bone, then everything starts to unzip and your measurements start to get deeper. They start to get, you know, fours, fives, sixes, and, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. So what happens is what we've got to do is in order for that gum to heal back to that tooth, we've got to really do what we call scale and replane. So we've got to take like these instruments and put it underneath the gum line and basically scrape that stuff out because it's just kind of deposit. It's just old bacteria that's hardened from the calcium in your saliva, but it's attached itself to your tooth. You can't get it out with your toothbrush. You can't get it out with anything else because you can't see it. It's so far underneath the gum line that now you have to go to a professional 
and we've got to use these instruments that kind of spray water and cavitate at the same time. So you like hear that weird noise like that. We've got to get, we got to use ultrasonic waves to kind of pull that stuff out of there. And then we've got to use instruments, sharp instruments to just kind of scale that root and make sure that it's nice and smooth. But after that, your gum tissue starts to zip back up to your tooth and your pockets go down. So they go from being four, fives, sixes and above back down to ones, twos and threes. So that's one of the best things that we do because we definitely see, like I could see you this week for scaling and replaning and everything could kind of be inflamed and be bleeding and, you know, just kind of mucky looking. But the next week, next week when I see you, your guts are going to heal. That's the great thing about the human body. It never gives you anything that it didn't have before. It just heals itself. Once we just, you know, intercede, like, like you were talking about in the emergency department, once you give medicine, it can save a life. Once we do scaling and replaning, we can save your teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I had never heard of it. And I was, like I said, I was so scared because when you're describing it, you're like, oh, sharp instruments <laughs> up into my gums. Like, no thanks. But it, yeah, it really, I mean, truly, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, one dose of Motrin for one day and then yeah. you're good to go. But it's interesting because you were mentioning the numbers, one, two, three. When you go to the dentist, for those listening, when you go to the dentist and you hear them, they'll say like, okay, two, three, four, five, two. When I go, they're like five, five, five. <laughs> oh, son of a... Uh, <laughs> so when they're doing those numbers, that's exactly what you were just saying, Dr. Fatima, is that they're they're like, that's the measurement they're taking, right? So if you hear five, six, you're just that, this is what you, this is the procedure you're going to need to have done. All right. That's, that's where you're headed. <laughs> you guys, you're replaying it your future. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've had it done uh, three times. No, twice. No, three times now. And really it's not, it's not terrible, but I did want to ask you if your requirements are too much, does that eventually erode some of your gum line? Do I like, do people need to be worried about that? No, it doesn't erode your gum. And as a matter of fact, it does the complete opposite. It actually keeps your gums as healthy as they possibly can be. No, it does not erode your gum line. Absolutely not. Because I was what worried. It, I'm like, if I need this, you know, like every six yeah. months or something, are my gums just going to recede and recede until you, know, you can see like the root of my... <laughs> no, but you know what does recede your gums though, is if you brush too hard. So that's why I like powered toothbrushes going back to the earlier part of the conversation, because you don't get to use the full force of the hand when it comes to using a battery powered toothbrush. You just are simply guiding it. But if you're using a standard toothbrush, just a regular toothbrush, you have all the power and control in your hand and you can brush too hard. Or you can brush improperly. And that can lead to actually what we call gum recession. And that's another problem because then your teeth will be completely sensitive. And you'll have to use toothpaste like Sensodyne and things like that to just try and keep everything, you know, from being overly sensitive when you drink hot things or cold things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you were to give us like the ideal dental routine, like I suggest you brush your teeth with a powered toothbrush for two minutes and then follow up with this and follow up with that. Like what would the ideal dental routine be? I suggest you brush your teeth twice a day. The most important one is going to be at night. So at night, I would suggest you spend at least four minutes on your routine. What that consists of is brushing your teeth for two minutes, flossing for an additional two minutes, whether that's with the water flosser or whether that's with string floss. It doesn't matter to me which one you do. Just the simple act of removing the food from between the teeth is going to be the most important. I'd also recommend that when you brush in the morning, that you also brush your tongue to debride everything from that 
the coating of the tongue because what that does is it actually those food particles get into the the pores of your tongue and that creates bad breath. I also recommend that you also use a mouthwash in the morning or in the evening. It doesn't matter which one you do. But I would like for you to kind of clear your tonsillar area. That's super important too, because that stuff, that food, those food particles can also get lodged inside their tonsillar areas and that becomes an area of bad breath as well. So that would be my recommendation. Okay. And you mentioned the brushing of the tongue. What is with, so this was another fad, or maybe it's not a fad. Maybe it's something I should be doing. The tongue scraper. Is this something that you're like, okay, yeah, we should do this. Absolutely. You should use a tongue scraper, but here's the thing. You can use a tongue scraper or you can use your toothbrush. So people are buying tongue scrapers on like Instagram and places like that. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily have to have a tongue scraper. As long as you use your toothbrush, you can basically use anything you want. You can take a business card if you want. Just clean. <laughs> Someone you don't like. Just <laughs> I don't care what you do. Just take your tongue, pull your tongue out, use something, just get the food particles off of it. It does not matter. Any way you want to do it. That's amazing. Okay. And then one more for you, night grinding. What do you suggest for those? Like, I know that we can have these, these like night guards made. So I, I did go in to have one made, but it felt like I was a football player wearing like a huge mouth guard. And I just, I got to tell you, I could not sleep with that thing. So thankfully I ended up, I had to get Invisalign because I had all these issues with my jaw and ended up fixing my bite and all of that. So now I wear my Invisalign night, my uh, retainer at night, which is great. But is there anything we can do to just like, I don't know, relax. Like why are we all grinding our teeth until they fracture? What's going on? So let's, let's back up and let's talk about what the actual genesis of grinding basically is. Most people, and I don't have a figure for this, but most people that suffer with grinding, i.e. me, have sleep apnea, some type of, of, of undiagnosed sleep apnea. Because what's happening, the reason you're grinding is because your body, your, your brain is fighting for oxygen at night. And to wake you up, what your body does is it makes you grind or clench your teeth to wake you up, right? So that's why people that have spouses that say, oh my God, my wife grinds in her sleep or my husband grinds in his sleep. It's because there's some type of sleep disturbance that's happening and your body's trying to make you wake up. So the fact that you've been cracking teeth means that you should probably have a sleep study just to make certain that you don't have any type of sleep disturbances. Mm. Your brain is your body is fighting for oxygen. That's why that's where that comes from. So what I would also recommend, number one, sleep study. If you're cracking teeth, <laughs> secondarily, <laughs> I would recommend a custom fit night guard. I've got one. I started using it in college because I was really super stressed, you know, getting through dental school and stuff. I was super duper stressed. So I started wearing one in college, but I'm going to tell you the same as you. I couldn't wear it. And for a long time, it ended up out of my mouth, under the bed, on the windowsill because I'd throw it, right? But <laughs> the more you wear it, the more you get used to it. And you may not be used to the type that you have. So you just have to kind of change up the type that you use. I was using a hard, hard one, but now I'm using one that has like a gummy surface on the inside. So it's kind of chewy. So I kind of like it. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, that's, that's, that sounds like it would be better. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. I'm like, this is wild. I feel like I'm going in for like a, like a rugby fight or something. You know, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> But yeah, 
you got to get a sleep study just to make sure that you don't have that problem. But then number two, you got to get a custom fitting night guard. Some people go to the grocery store and get those ones and those are fine. But I always find that the custom fitting ones don't create, you know, like problems with your, your T and J, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd recommend those. Now I'm going to circle back real quick just to the fluoride because I just thought of something. Do you suggest for those that don't have, like, for example, we have well water and so we don't have any fluoride in our water. So every time our kids go in, they get a special fluoride treatment. Do you suggest that for those that might not have fluoride in their water to do anything additional, separate from like just a fluoride toothpaste? I absolutely do. I would recommend that even as adults that when we come into a dental appointment, I would recommend that if we don't have water, have fluoride in our water, that we get the fluoride treatments. So absolutely. So I live in a metropolitan area. So most of my patients that come in, even though I live in a metropolitan area with fluoride in our water, what are we all drinking? We're all drinking bottled water, right? So that doesn't have any fluoride in it. So I always try and tell my patients, listen, you know, most of your time you're ingesting water that is from a bottle or you're ingesting filtered water or Perrier carbonated water. So we're all just so fancy these days. We don't just drink water out of the tap, right? So I even try and so I always try and tell my patients, my adult population, listen, you gotta have something on these teeth to protect it. Even if you're using a fluoridated toothpaste, there is nothing wrong with having a fluoride treatment once a quarter, once every six months, at least once a year. Just at least do it once a year for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Is there anything that you can think of that we did not cover? No, I think we've talked about all the treatments. I think we've spent a lot of time on preterm low birth weight and why periodontal disease is important to have checked out. I think we've talked about the inflammatory markers. I think we've talked about how everything happens. No, I think we've covered everything. This has been great. Yeah. I mean, this is like a really hot topic for me because I think it's something that is overlooked. Like people talk about all these things during pregnancy and postpartum and and there's these few things that people don't talk about and teeth are one of them. It's like this, it's just overlooked and I feel like we need to concentrate on it a little bit more. I mean, even I still think that you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant, you get this book, this pamphlet from your OB and it has all these details of things that might happen or might change. And you put your dental care in there. You put all these things so that people are aware of all the changes that can happen. And because otherwise we're just in the dark, right? We're just like, like I wish somebody had told me, Hey, listen, Lindsay, why don't you try to go quarterly to get your teeth clean? Why don't you like because this is going to happen when you get pregnant. You're you're probably going to have this buildup because of the carbohydrates, because of the vomiting, because of all these things. But the more you do more. And so I just feel like we need to be giving our our population of pregnant people some information that they can use so that they're not completely the up for the rest of forever. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. We are going to end with two questions that are not about the topic today. So the first question I'm going to ask you is if you could give one piece of advice to mothers, what would it be? Oh gosh. Take care of yourself first. Like they say on the plane, put your oxygen mask on first. It's super duper important to be able to recognize when you're having, you know, signs of anxiety or depression. I mean, you've got this baby and 
things are just happening to your body. You don't necessarily understand them. And even in the postpartum period, you know, you've got a new human that you've got to care for and prepare for. But, you know, honestly, you can't give from an empty bucket. That was a great book that I read. And I can't remember the title of it. But, you know, honestly, the premise was you can't do something for others that you haven't done for yourself. So that would be my recommendation apart from anything else. I've learned that in life with three children. I mean, they're now at the ages where they're 22, 19 and 17. So they don't need me as much physically, but they need me emotionally. But even in that, I have to learn to do things for myself first so that I'll be available to be able to help them. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that so much. You can't give yeah. them an empty bucket. Totally. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question is, if you could make one meal for your whole family that everyone would eat that's relatively quick and easy, what would it be? I did it last night. Ooh. Chicken fajitas. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And what do you like? What do you use with? Do you put everything separate so that you can like stack them up how you want, or what do you do? I, so what I do is I get the chicken breast. I put the seasoning on it. I put the onions, the red and the green bell pepper over in a skillet. I put avocado oil in there to kind of you know get it moving, get it started cooking. We put the cheese. We put the guacamole on the table. And then everybody just kind of goes for broke. I mean, they've got the red and the purple onions they can put on there, the cilantro, whatever they want to do, however they want to stack it. But I started with the simple chicken, onion, red pepper, green bell pepper, all in the skillet together, cooked all the way down. Yeah. I yeah. love when they caramelize. Like, Oh, my gosh. That's the best part, isn't it? I'm like, I don't know how people eat onions that. without them being caramelized. Like, oh, it's like so good. And everybody's fighting for it and they're begging me to like put chicken broth in the bottom of it to kind of deglaze everything Ooh, that's not there. Idea. Yeah, yeah, you gotta do that. Yeah. So you can pick up all that what we call lanyap or gravy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Next time I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Fatima, for like joining us and just teaching us all about our teeth because they are so important. And I know this is a lot to take an hour out of your day. So I'm super appreciative. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really, this has been an honor and I I really have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.